Welcome to the Life Exchange Podcast, where we give you practical solutions for self, community, and culture. In our very first Q&A episode, we're answering some listeners' questions and getting to know our hosts a little bit better. Yep, that includes me. We'll also share our unique experiences of how we each came into full-time ministry and how to know if you're called there as well. We'll finish this episode out by speaking into how to keep a good attitude when nothing seems to go right. This one's a fun one, and we hope you enjoy it too. Now, if you're enjoying this podcast, we encourage you to share with someone else, tell a friend, partner with us in sharing these empowering truths. Hi, I'm Melody Hilton. And I'm Joel Hilton. And I'm Katie Stansfield. Today's episode is going to be a little bit different. We're going to try something new. Uh, We've had questions sent in and we're going to answer them. Some of these are more serious than others. I am really looking forward to how this goes because I knew immediately when we were going to try to do this, that this would be the hardest thing for Dr. Melody. We were just sitting here. The she first, doesn't do fun. The first question is really simple. And she's like, I don't. I said, you don't have to like change the world. You don't have to preach a message. It's a very those are the simple easy, question. Those are the easy questions. How to change the world. But tell us a little bit about yourself. That's uh, a little different. Well, this is how I changed the world. <laughs> So uh, we will see how this goes, but we're hoping to do this more often. Um, So if you have any questions, whether it is a get to know you question or um, an issue that you're dealing with that you'd like our input, not that we'll get it right all the time, but um, we'll give you our opinion. We'll give you what we got. Uh, If you would like to send in a question, you can do that at at, um, lifeexchangepodcast at gmail.com. Uh, that's life exchange podcast at gmail.com or uh, you can direct message us on our Instagram and that is giving lights Instagram at giving light IG. And we have someone waiting patiently to receive those things. So to receive uh, those emails. Oh yes. Yes. They're, that's their whole job. That it's all that they do the and they're just so waiting. Please give that person something to do. Or if not, we're going to fire them. <laughs> It's an unpaid position. So. Oh, it's, a, it's an intern. <laughs> yeah. um, so we are going to get started with a really, I. it should be simple. We'll see how it goes, <laughs> how much we can complicate it question. Um, and it's just a get to know you question. So Joel, share something about yourself with us. Well, believe it or not, I actually did not always want to be in ministry. Now I've been doing it for... 20 years or longer after yeah. 20 you just start <laughs> you're, rounding you're going things on 21 so and but actually growing up i probably desperately did not want to be in ministry <laughs> being a pastor's kid and all the things that come with that uh but you know god really changed my heart but in saying all that i wanted to share like in the beginning before i wanted to be in ministry i wanted to be in the fbi to follow in my mother's footsteps. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was planning it all out. I, I had a plan to join the Coast Guard. And after uh, serving in that, I wanted to get into law enforcement in, in some way and eventually uh, work for the FBI. Uh, I kind of realized maybe God wasn't allowing that to happen because I contacted a recruiter and they never called back. <laughs> And that was the Lord. That that was the Lord, or either it was the Lord or a bad recruiter. I'm not quite sure which it was. So 
Long story short, God kind of changed my trajectory trajectory, and uh, he changed my heart. And I realized that God was kind of like changing my heart over a period of time. It wasn't a one day I woke up and I was thinking, I want to be in ministry. God was seeding those things through him speaking to me, but also people within my life that were um, encouraging me and speaking to the potential of what God has called me to. And so that's a little bit about myself. So I wanted to be in law enforcement. I wanted to um, be in the FBI, and but God had other well, plans. Well, I knew that part, but I didn't know the Coast Guard part. So why the Coast Guard of all the branches? Well, practically, um, they do some law enforcement type things. So okay. that that was my thinking at that time. You said practically. I'm thinking, well, we're in a landlocked state, so... <laughs> And now when I think about it, one of my greatest fears ever <laughs> is being in the ocean, yeah, yeah. not knowing what is beneath me. I didn't realize that is a real fear. It's a real phobia. Um, and my my wife loves the beach. And I think of, I don't want to be in an environment where I'm the prey. <laughs> so I'm not a big fan of the beach. That's the, why I thought, why the Coast Guard of... That's well, not yeah. the one I would have thought it, you would have wanted. Well, that's it's interesting. Sure. Did you know that when your dad and I got married, that our first goal was for both of us to join the Merchant Marines? I was going to do administration, be in the office part of that, and he was actually going to be a Merchant Marine. Mm-hmm. And so that was our first objective after we got married. I it never happened, that. but... No, that, I didn't. I, I might have heard this story, you know, um, after years of hearing the same stories, <laughs> that's that's one of the side effects of being a pastor's kid. You hear the same stories. I don't think I've talked about that. We haven't talked about that in I've church. I've never heard that. I remember fact, hearing it, but... I, I forgot about that No, so now. that was not a reason. So, um, <laughs> But yeah, like I said, looking back at it now, I was like, that would have not worked. <laughs> so you could have gone your dad's route and joined the Navy, but don't you get motion sick? Um, yeah, so just roller coasters. God worked it all out. Look at where (laughs) I'm at right now. He kept me on land. (laughs) A different kind of rocking the boat. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Remember what I said about the jokes. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Or we're so afraid to tell jokes after a while. (laughs) No, no, she won't be afraid. She's just going to let them... Let them fly. Usually you just say that's a mama joke and then that's it. If I said that, I would be a rich man. If I had a dime for everything. (laughs) All right. Well, are you ready over there? Oh, I guess. Um, I really had to think a lot. (laughs) Just a refresher. The question is share something interesting about yourself. I don't know if this is interesting or not. But when I was young and in high school, I really had an activist mindset and I had to confront everything that I thought was unjust. Mm-hmm. And um, I She's wanted a real to be. crowd pleaser. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Oh, I could tell anti. you stories. Lord have mercy on me. He was so gracious. And um, I wasn't a believer at these times, but I wanted to be uh, a wrestling manager in the guy's wrestling team. Which and wasn't allowed. Probably. Which was not yeah. allowed. Did they have female wrestling? No. Okay. 
And so I was like, I fought for that. I'm telling you, uh, a big campaign fighting for this. And <laughs> I won't even tell you all the crazy things I did to get there. And they actually allowed me to be there. And, oh, I just loved every minute of it. So I was the first girls wrestling manager in the guys wrestling team. Wow. Yeah. I remember being an activist also uh, when it came to wearing jeans to school because that was back in the days where we had to wear dresses to school. And then they got lenient and let us wear dress pants to school. Well, I fought. I mean, it was another activist campaign. I went to school with jeans on, got kicked out of school, go back to school with jeans on. I would just do crazy things. And uh, eventually we got to wear jeans to school. So I think I had victories in my activist campaign. So Rebel with the cause. Yeah, I, oh, I was. <laughs> Lord have mercy. Yeah. So with all that rebellion, you went into the FBI then? Yeah. I did. Because she was going to change the world and yeah. stop injustice. That's Isn't it funny how you look back and you can see, you know, the crazy things you do as a kid really had elements of what God put in your heart yeah. to, to do and to be and have a voice for. And that's the importance of growing up, I guess. <laughs> I've probably always been a little bit too serious. That's what you guys pick on me about, that... I, I just am serious about a lot of things, you know. I'm not good at jokes. I'm not good at getting jokes, let alone telling them. But so you guys tease me. But the uh, person who preached on Sunday, she was saying how when she tells jokes, you don't laugh, you don't get it. And then on Sunday, you were laughing hysterically at something that wasn't meant to be funny. <laughs> so she was like, I don't know how to win. <laughs> It's okay. It helps. It keeps things um, fun. It gives you something to tease me about. <laughs> <laughs> so, Katie, let's hear yours. Well, I I had more bullet point type things, but one of them uh, is that I was homeschooled K through twelve the whole way. Um, and the one thing that I I don't usually lead with that when I when I meet someone um, because there's a real stigma. There is, and there's a know? reason I don't lead with that. Close your eyes and picture a homeschooler. <laughs> God, I don't look like that. Hopefully, <laughs> now she's just a hipster. Actually, actually, I have always wanted um, to get tattoos just to really push against that image, but I'm really, really afraid of needles, and so that's maybe a good thing. It's kept me from having all kinds of tattoos, but, um, because I've wanted to push against the stereotypes, but I am usually pleasantly surprised after, um, after someone does find out that I'm a homeschooler, they go, Oh, I wouldn't have thought that because you don't seem like <laughs> a super sheltered, non-socialized. I think we lost all our homeschoolers. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no. I'm alienating one. No, because you guys know, you homeschoolers know we are not what they say that we are. Um, but I always laughed. I, um, I have four younger sisters and three of them graduated homeschooled. So every time at a homeschool graduation, let me tell you, if you ever need to have a good time, go to a homeschool graduation. They are a unique experience. 
But I always laugh because there's two kinds of people at the homeschool graduations. One is your super conservative, very... Um, Christian. What's that? Christian. Yeah, Christian or a lot of Mennonite, a lot of um, just just very conservative worldview. Nothing wrong with that at all. It's beautiful. Um, but those are the ones that get up and, and there's usually like a talent show portion, which makes it really fun. Uh, and those are the ones that are like family quartets and... Um, they play the hammer dulcimer or something super unique. And then there's the other side of the homeschool graduation that is the rebel fight the system. <laughs> We're going to do it our own way. Anti-establishment. Were you in that one? Tattoos <laughs> and their talents are like, you know, rap or like just something totally different. And they're all in the same room. I would say I was somewhere in the middle of that. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a, it's a fun time for sure. So, um, does that satisfy you? I have other fun facts, but if yeah, that's give what us you another fun with, fact. Um, I used to be really into heavy metal music. Most people would not, I, I didn't know would that. not think that about me. Um, I was a frequent festival attender. Um, I remember cause I grew up, um, a church girl in the nineties where I think there was a lot of culture in the, in our church camp anyway, that, um, that we were still pushing that drums weren't of the devil, like a lot of, <laughs> a lot of that. And I remember you, Joel got me into like Toby Mac or something like, cause you were more into music at that point. Um, and so it was like Toby Mac and I took it home and I, I started listening to this and my dad was like, she's being corrupted. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was always going to do my own thing no matter what. So I started getting into heavier and heavier music. And eventually I turned my dad and he got into it as well. <laughs> um, but yeah, most people would not think that about me. And I will say a lot of that was very adolescent. Um, and it was a phase. <laughs> <laughs> I no longer leaned towards, uh, such music. Well, now when I walk into the office, it's usually like <laughs> harp and bowl, like some weeping. Um. No. <laughs> I need something soothing at this point, not something that's going to add add chaos <laughs> or, or add uh, intensity. Um, and I still enjoy a festival, but I really have to prepare for it now. I used to just do it. And like, I remember this is gross, but I, I would be like, right. I knew where to stand right outside the mosh pit so that I was enough in Close the energy, enough there, but, but I yeah. wasn't going to die. <laughs> and then I would like leave and there'd be so much dust that you'd blow your nose and it would just be like black because oh. you're just breathing in all this. And I loved it. It was, it was so fun. <laughs> Now I'm like, I am in my thirties. That sounds like a lot of energy. I don't know if I want to stand and be sweat on and all of that. So I guess. Yeah. When I, Aaron and I went to a concert recently and we were like, this could be the last song. Let's head out so we can get out of the parking lot. And you went to a concert (laughs) in an amphitheater with seats and air conditioning. (laughs) So age changes. Yeah, we're always bit. trying to find the parking spot that it has quick access to leaving. So I'm at that age now. That's what I have to look forward to in my 40s, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. Well, have we have we answered that question? Now that we lost everybody. 
we'll see if you guys are for this or you like, can you just stick to this? We'll teaching? look at the analytics and be like, <laughs> everybody left by the seven minute mark. <laughs> well, is- they asked the question. <laughs> <laughs> This is an experiment. <laughs> yeah, is TMI too much? <laughs> All right. Well, do you want to move on to the next question? Yeah, yeah. we can. Do you, do you want me Mom's to Mom's like, it? I've been ready for the past 10 minutes. <laughs> All right. Am I asking the question? Yeah, sure. Okay. How do I keep a good attitude when nothing seems to go right here? We'll get a little bit more serious here. <laughs> now, I could come up with answers for that one. <laughs> well, good. We we're expecting you <laughs> <Yeah>. to. <laughs> Um, uh, my answer to that is recognize that every attitude I have is birthed from emotions. Mm-hmm. And so I cannot let my emotions control me. Because yeah. if my emotions control me, I will usually make very um, negative, fear-based, destructive decisions. So Uh, really negative attitudes ultimately come back to what I'm thinking about. So when I recognize that my emotions are out of control, I just have to make a conscious choice to say, this is what's going on. It's a normal process of thought, Mm -hmm. but I cannot let it control me. I need to step into a place of self-leadership and bring my emotions into submission to truth. Is Is that your... Well, that, yeah, that's one of my All things. Right. Yeah. Well, let me give one of mine. I would say, and this is just coming from my direct personality, but whether we want to hear it or not, attitude is a choice. Yes. Yeah. Right? So no one else is responsible for the mood that I carry. Mm-hmm. And there are just some times where you have to control yourself. You have to, no matter what's going on around you, you have the power to control your internal climate. Not always easy, not always pleasant, but the truth is a bad attitude can make a situation worse. Yes. So. Not just externally, but internally. Exactly. So if you're already experiencing some difficult things, a bad attitude is only going to worsen that. So taking control of your emotions, uh, submitting yourself to what the Lord is saying, uh, those are the things that actually open up the opportunity for a solution to mm-hmm. happen. Like if you have a bad attitude, you're not going to op- you're not going to position yourself for a solution. Right. Mm-hmm. And hopefully if you're in some difficult situations, what you need is a solution. What you need is maybe a different perspective. A lot of times a bad attitude puts all the attention on self. Yeah. And when all the attention is on self, you're not going to see from a different perspective. You're not going to actually see a possible solution because everything is about you. So all that to say is sometimes or 99% of the time, well, 100% of the time, (laughs) your attitude, you have the power over your own attitude. Yeah. And when we don't do that, we render ourselves powerless and let the external control us. Mm -hmm. And so... Instead of walking with a courageous choice to confront what seems is rendering me powerless, uh, I I just position myself to get into a cycle of uh, of feeling defeated and mm-hmm. and so I just got to rise up and say I do have the power. I, it makes me think of going back to Adam and Eve. God gave them uh, the power 
of choice. Mm -hmm. And they had the responsibility to steward. And the things that they had to had to steward was number one, themselves, and number two was their resources. Mm -hmm. And when they did not store them well, you know, they you know, Adam and Eve believed a lie and they fed that lie, they acted upon that lie, and it really brought powerlessness. So if we just stored what God created us to stored, then that would give us the ability to confront a negative attitude. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, um, my answer here, one is the second part of this question says, um, when nothing seems to go right. Mm -hmm. And I just look and um, the hard reality is that a lot of times things aren't going right. And the harder reality is that nobody cares. Nobody else cares that you're going through hard stuff. Like I've just had to learn, um, that tough reality when I'm going through a lot, I want to just naturally human, humanly, I want to bring other people in on it to, for them to either go, Oh, you're really going through a hard time or, um, to make them miserable alongside of me. (laughs) And, uh, hopefully I'm not the only person who does that out there, but, um, but really most people don't care because they're going through their own hard stuff. So the reality is we are all always going through some level of hard stuff. Um, and so we do have to make that choice to have a good attitude. The other reality is when you're going through hard things, emotions are real. Like I, we, you said, um, mama about, you know, we can't let our emotions control us. And that is, that is the ultimate truth. But for me, I've spent my life trying to navigate the emotions that are present in my body (laughs) that are present in my mind. And so I've had to learn, okay, well, yeah, I don't want to let my emotions control me, but what does that mean? How do I deal with that? What these emotions are happening. So what does that look like? And so for me, um, it's a lot of self-talk, to be honest. I um, t- talk to myself a lot and I, I speak to my emotions. I'll, I'll do it a lot in first person. Katie, you're feeling overwhelmed. I may, have, may or may not have done this this morning. <laughs> Katie, you are feeling overwhelmed right now. You are feeling exhausted. You are feeling these things. So I am acknowledging this is actually happening. Um, and then I find, okay, well, why is this happening? Is there a reason? Cause emotions don't really need a reason. They can go wild and crazy for just a little reason. Um, but is there actually a logical reason? So I can say, okay, I am feeling exhausted. There is a reason that I'm feeling that way. Cause I'm not sleeping the greatest. Okay. I need to take that into account because that matters. The fact that my body isn't getting a lot of sleep or enough sleep is going to affect my life. So do I still have to choose to have a good attitude? Yes. But I also recognize I've got a body factor happening here. Uh, I can also say, okay, well, what else? Why else am I feeling this way? Well, I have all this stuff to do. Okay. Well, let's break that down. Okay. What of this are you taking on that you don't have to take on right now? What can you lay to the side? What can you delegate? What can wait until later? Um, what has to get done. So for me to break down the emotions into smaller bits, because emotions feel really huge, um, to break it down, to bring some practicality, to bring some reality into it, um, to get it down into little bits. It helps me to be able to manage those things a lot easier than just to say, well, get over it and choose to do the better thing, which sometimes you got to just suck it up buttercup. But I think that's really good because in actuality, you are not letting them 
control you. Yeah. You are making a conscious choice to make decisions in spite of them. Yeah. So we're not ignoring the emotions. We're not even ignoring the attitude it has maybe hasn't come out of our mouth but it's in our head mm-hmm. and we're we're dealing with those things but to be aware of them and acknowledge them so that we can make decisions yeah. in, in a healthy way to confront them yeah. because honestly just to say stop it will never ever work yeah. or to beat yourself up because you're feeling what you're feeling or beat yourself up because you know I have this attitude right now that's just going to make it worse so we have to recognize I love what you said why are they there mm-hmm. and it and it could be something as simple as not getting enough sleep yeah i know that's probably one of the things that yeah. can get me cuz i'm exhausted yeah. and so i think it's really good because uh you're still not making decisions by everything you just said. Uh, it was very authentic. It was very real. Absolutely every person on the planet has felt it. But what set you apart in that was your processing through so they don't control you. Mm-hmm. That you're you're making the decisions. And at first, it's a conscious, intentional decision. Yeah. And then the more you practice that decision, then the emotions start losing their power. Yeah. And one thing that I've taught a lot about when we face something fear-based or highly emotive, it's sending these chemicals through our body, yeah. which is a real thing. Yeah. I mean, it's real. And But the fact is, it can take up to three to four hours for those emotions mm-hmm. that or the chemicals that come from those emotions to be able to get out of our body. Yeah. Just like if we drink a lot of caffeine. We have to wait for that caffeine to leave our body or eat too much sugar. And so we we must recognize when there's such heightened emotions mm-hmm. to the point that it's going and affecting our attitudes and wanting to control our decisions. When we start dealing with it, we will feel that mm-hmm. for three to four hours, yeah. even when we're doing all the right things. And that has been very helpful for me to recognize the chemical element of it. Um, and, you know, you can't just force it to pass and I can't just stop for three to four hours and not do anything. Right. But just cognitively knowing, okay, this is happening in my body. I need to just stay steady for this amount of time. Um, and it's going to change. It's going to pass because emotions like to make themselves look massive. And I think I also have to look and say, am I exploiting reality right now? And that's Hmm. why it helps me to break things down to get into the little small bits because emotions want to say they want to take over and you can't really let them do that. So, um, sorry, this is a long winded answer, but, um, that's, well, we're, we're kind of relating emotions to attitude and yeah, they are, they are. Yeah. Um, and I, as you guys were talking, I was thinking about how emotions at one extreme, someone does not even acknowledge them. Yeah where they don't control the person at all, it seems. And then you have one, another side where when they're high, the person's high when the, yeah. when they're low they're So they're like the, the changing of the, you know, the, the waves or the tide. Right. And so that says that it's, there's, there's a possibility for a middle ground mm-hmm. and that takes cultivation. Yeah, that's good. And so <laughs> when you're dealing with emotions, 
Uh, you might be the person that is always riding the waves of emotions. There is a middle ground where you can start cultivating it, putting boundaries up, internal boundaries, mm -hmm. where you're able to control those things. Mm -hmm. And maybe you're the person that just tries to ignore them. And then once a year, you have this explosion <laughs> and makes this mess. You can start cultivating, uh, learning the language of the heart and being able to express certain things when you're, that's not the easiest thing for you. So whatever side you're on, you can find that middle ground through cultivation, through intentionally working on the issue of emotions and yeah. attitude. Uh, so if you feel so overwhelmed, um, there is a chance through intentional behavior to start dealing with these things. And I think that's why I have a lot to say on this particular question, because I have had to practice this for mm -hmm. my whole life yeah. of how to work these things out. Um, and I will say we're talking a lot about self-control, but sometimes you need outside help mm -hmm, yeah. and not, not, not always a therapist, but sometimes you need to talk with someone that is not going to encourage the bad behavior, but find people that are, strong and consistent and validating or mm -hmm. go to people that can actually help not reinforce the the negative behavior. And I even maybe you will or won't agree with this mama, but um, I acknowledge a thing like I will, will do something called an emotion dump where I'm like, I need to dump my emotions right now. And I think that really is helpful for me at times when things hit a peak and emotions doesn't mean you're going to burst into tears. Emotions might mean you're feeling really angry or you're feeling really frustrated. There's a big spectrum of emotion, but for me, I will just, okay, I'm going to emotion dump. I'm going to go scream and, um, forgive me Christian mothers out there. I'm going to swear and I'm going <laughs> to get really messy and sloppy, but I'm going to put a time limit on that. I'm going to do that. I'm not going to do that to another human being. I'm going to do that, you know, in a room. I'm going to do that on a mountain. I'm going to do that um, for five minutes. I'm going to let it all out. And then I'm going to collect myself and move on. Well, David did pour out his complaint yeah. to the Lord, yeah. didn't he? He, he? he dumped in the right place. Because yeah. so, God knows it's all there anyway in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. God In had a way, emotions. isn't that kind of like an acknowledgement? <laughs> yes. Say, Lord... You know, I'm a mess. I feel like a mess. This is how I feel, blah, 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 blah. And you're communicating those things at the source mm -hmm. of the one that already knows it's there and is and allowing you to work He's through. not going to be offended by it either. No, he's not. Yeah. Now, this isn't a scientific estimation, but I would say nine times out of 10 in scripture, when when someone is pouring out those dark things with inside, there's always a but. Yeah. There's always, but mm -hmm. this is what you say, God, yes. but this is what you want to do. Yeah. So I, I think that there is this necessity to pour your heart out before the Lord, but then there's also, we we have to align with his thoughts and his way of thinking mm -hmm. and what his desire is. Yeah. So there's, like I said, not scientific, but nine times out of 10 in scripture, when you when you see someone pouring out their heart um, and maybe releasing those dark things, um, there's always that. But this is what you're doing, God. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, 
yeah. So the other side, I kind of took us down an emotional <laughs> road there, but, um, the choosing an attitude, uh, choosing to have a good attitude part of it. Um, just a, a couple of things that help me is my phrase is keep my world big. Um, because attitude a lot of times wants to, again, extort or exploit something that's happening in your life. But if I can get my, my perspective greater than what is happening, it helps me to keep that good attitude. And some of the things that help me to do that are to worship. That's like number one. If I just, it, it'll take me five minutes, sometimes one minute to change my perspective when I actually fix my eyes on him. Uh, it's a big, big deal. If, if we can just get our mind, get our emotions, get our thoughts, get our attitudes off of the moment and onto him, that's really helpful. Some other things to help me keep my life big is gratitude. If I choose to focus on, yeah. on being grateful. Um, another thing is get outside, get out of the space. Um, that that's helpful for me. Um, some of those are being creative, um, volunteering and being of service to someone else, um, conversation, getting, getting what's happening out to another healthy human being, uh, and fun. So sometimes things that help me to keep a good attitude are to get out of the moment, get into a bigger perspective, and then I can actually choose, okay, I can do this. I can handle this. Amen. So we hope that answered your question. Another question that we have here is... Wait, did you guys notice how the first get to know you question was like super awkward and pulling teeth? And then you asked us a question of like substance and we, we <laughs> talked for 20 minutes. <laughs> so <laughs> we're learning as we go here, but go ahead. What's our next question? The next question after I was rudely interrupted... <laughs> I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> Three was, peas in a pod. So this is kind of like a personal question uh, as well, but when did you know you were called into full-time ministry? How do I know for sure I should take that leap of faith? So why don't we start with you, Katie? When did you know... It was the time to enter into the world of full-time ministry. <laughs> um, I don't think I knew until kind of the moment it happened. <laughs> it was not on, it wasn't my plan. Um, I'm a Bible school dropout. I was, was in the Bible school program. So that was my plan is to go to Bible school. And then yeah. I was going to go to business, going to business. Mm -hmm. uh, I went to Bible school and I dropped out after a week now I did eventually, like I did finish it. It just didn't look like what I thought it was going to. Mm -hmm. um, but even then I was not thinking I was going into ministry. Then um, I felt like the Lord uh, wanted me to volunteer for the church. Um, and when I was 20 years old or so, uh, I started volunteering for a couple of days. I still was just following a nudge from the Holy Spirit. It wasn't like I was trying to work for the church or be, that wasn't like to be in ministry. That wasn't even like a, uh, some, I wasn't in my mind to be a pastor or to, to work for the church. Um, but I just started volunteering and then there was a prophetess who came in. Um, she gave a prophetic word in like 60 seconds. Um, and she said that, um, that there was a desire in my heart, which I didn't know I had to be in full-time ministry at giving light. Um, and it was like, I've never had a prophetic word like this before. It wasn't just like words. There was such a weight. It was almost like the Holy Spirit himself came down and was 
was very present uh, in that moment. And it was like, it just awakened this desire inside of me. Um, and from that point, we made a plan because I was working somewhere else. We made a transition plan. Um, and I came into full-time ministry, not knowing what that meant, not knowing what that was going to look like. Um, so when they said, how, how, how do I know I should take that leap of faith? You're saying that it kind of works itself out a little bit. I mean, I, I can only speak from my own experience, but I have seen so often, I hear especially young people um, say that they want to be in ministry. And I now having kind of worked that out in my own life, I am really, really nervous when I hear that because um, I see so often that that is either to fill a need in their own life mm -hmm. um, or... Um, they want to be in ministry in that they want to live out a kingdom lifestyle, but they are thinking that they can only do that by working for a church. And yeah. that's not always the case because if one, if you try to go into ministry um, and you think that it's going to benefit you, mm -hmm. um, it's going to hurt a lot. Yeah. <laughs> it's gonna or you're going to make a really big mess. Yes. It's going to hurt you. It's going to hurt others. Um, and I don't want that for you. I don't want that for anyone. Um, and the second factor is that if you think that that's the only way for you to be in ministry is to work for the church, I would just really, narrow. really push against that because um, your ministry is, can be your world. Your ministry does not need to be pulpit ministry. It doesn't need mm -hmm. to even be missionary ministry. For some it is, but for most it isn't. And so really focusing on um, what is your message, quote unquote, not your sermon, but your mm -hmm. message. What is what what has God put on the inside of you that um, you find yourself talking about a lot, that, that you're passionate about when you talk to people? It's the way that you want other people to feel and be inspired towards. That can be your message that you just start to live out in your life. It does mm -hmm. not mean that you need to um, go be in full-time ministry. Now, obviously... I am in full-time ministry. So for some, that is the the route, that is the path. But for most, it isn't. And ministry, full-time ministry can look a lot different than what you might think. Well, full-time ministry is being a Christian. Yes. <laughs> Go preach the gospel. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Now, my perspective on Katie's story was that time she came and we were sitting in the car and you said, uh, I I want to work for the church, and I said, "Oh, Katie, you know." And you know, I could, well, I think that was when I was I wanted to volunteer. Yeah, you want yeah. right. Mm -hmm. And then I said, "Oh, Katie," and she goes, "No, no, no, just volunteer." <laughs> I go, "You got a job." <laughs> and so, uh, and you just came out, and you would just pray, go into the sanctuary, and just yeah. pray and pray. And it wasn't like doing a lot of things. It well, was, I did. <laughs> but no, I mean, you did do things, but your heart, yeah. you know, you would go into the sanctuary and you would just pray and intercede and weep. So it's, it's so beautiful when you think in retrospect, looking at that, what God was causing to rise inside of you. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you can attest to this. I did nothing to try to encourage you to no. go into ministry. I just saw somebody whose heart was so turned towards the Lord. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was so thrilled about that. And I remember just seeing your heart and and what you did and how you prayed and 
and the connection even of relationship that we had for kingdom. It wasn't this codependent, wasn't any, it was just like going in the same direction in so many ways. And I remember going to the Lord and I said, Lord, uh, uh, I need a Katie. I wasn't even thinking of Katie. I was saying, this is the type of person that that we need to be able to advance in ministry, mm-hmm. this heart, this type of person. And so when that 60-second prophetic mm-hmm. word came, I about felt, well, I did fall off my chair. I just like <laughs> plopped on the floor. I was so shocked. And I go, oh my gosh, I needed a Katie in here. God, you were speaking. It was Katie. And even in that, uh, we just began to talk, but it was never a push. I never try to encourage anyone to go into full-time ministry because number one, I know the price yeah. that it 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 you, the price you have to pay. Number two, if they think full-time ministry is that's my job, that's where I make my money, uh, and that's the only way that I can express what's inside of me. You know, there's just so many things wrong with that picture. Mm-hmm. Here, you were led by your heart, and so. As I, I think about your story, it, it was like an orchestration of heaven that was not known by any yeah. man, and man had no orchestration in that whatsoever. No, if and, anything, people were discouraging me yeah, <laughs> from going into. Right. And I even remember when you went in, I said, okay, Katie, we will we will license you, but we won't even tell anybody your license. Mm-hmm. We'll do it legally, you know, privately, because I don't want to put you out there as Pastor Katie, Mm -hmm. just be you. And then as time went on, then Pastor Katie became Pastor Katie, even though you started out, you know, privately with us in that, uh, we just really wanted to protect you in that journey so that false expectations were not put on you. Because a lot of times someone here is pastor and they just assume this is how you have to be and this is what you have to do. And we're going, no, no, no. You know, for a person to to do those things, it has to be birthed by the spirit of God Mm -hmm. and not to please man. Yeah. So that was really awesome. I would say, and probably you guys have not answered yet, but following, follow the leading of the Lord here and obey. And I would say that if... If that is a desire in your heart to, um, I'll say, work in full-time ministry in a church capacity, um, volunteer. Stay really, really humble and um, and give your time. That's a great way to get started. And do the little things that nobody else yep. wants to do. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, you guys answer. Uh, another indication that you can know that you're called into to ministry is, first, is God's got to place that desire within your heart. But I believe that if God can place that desire within your heart, he can also place it in the the heart of your leaders to call that thing out. Yeah. And so knowing that you're called into ministry is one part of the equation. The other part of the equation is that confirming or that commissioning from the leaders in your life. Mm -hmm. And, And like you were saying, Katie, you can't go into ministry expect expecting it to to fill your cup. No. Right. Right. It's actually quite the opposite. Ministry is actually about pouring yourself out. Yeah. So if you go into ministry, recognize that you have to know who your source is. Yeah. Stay connected to that source because if you don't, you are going to be burnt out. You are going to empty yourself out because that's what ministry is. If you have a desire to do it, 
cultivate that relationship with the Lord mm-hmm. that that you can always run to and be filled because in ministry, the whole concept of it is to serve and to pour yourself out. Yeah. So like I said, that practical thing is if you feel called, I believe that there will be an element or a leader or someone that is speaking into your life and confirming that call as well. For me, it was quite the opposite because I grew up a pastor's kid. I did not want to be in ministry Mm -hmm. whatsoever, but there were years and people and mentors in my life that would drop those seeds, right? They would be speaking into my identity and who I was. And I was like, I'm not doing this stuff. (laughs) Like, no way. And so I actually knew that I was called when... I actually wanted it. (laughs) So yes, it was confirmed through prophetic words and people speaking into my life, but I knew I was called when I actually had the desire for it. Mm -hmm. And the funny thing is, was when I had the desire for it, I didn't have the opportunity to do it. (laughs) So I had like three or four years where I had to work a quote unquote secular job until the opportunity opened up. And it's funny. And you worked, you volunteered in the church for years. Yeah. before you ever came on quote unquote. Yeah. So it's funny, like when I actually desired it, I didn't have the opportunity. So all all of our experiences are a little different, but I believe that one of the signs that you know that you're called, you're going to have people within your life confirming that. Mm -hmm. Um, For me, I don't know of any time where... I felt a call mm-hmm. or I knew I was called. Why did you start a church? I think that would be a better uh, yeah. question. Well, honestly, I i mean, if you've listened to this podcast at all through uh, the different episodes, like I was so far from God. And when I had an encounter with the Lord, it... Um, something so radically changed. I mean, I got born again. I got saved. I went from darkness to light. And uh, it was so huge on the inside of me. Everything I was living for meant very little. I was working myself up the governmental ladder. Uh, The FBI was my God. Karate was my God. I mean, I had these things that I was driven by. Man, after that encounter where God delivered me and I got saved and I didn't even know that's what happened, yeah. I just, it, it, it was amazing that I got up and suddenly those things lost their value. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what to do with it all. And I just, I just did what I knew to do and prayed and I didn't even know how to pray. I didn't, it was nothing. And then Stephen, my husband now, who was like a big brother to me, we would sit and we would talk about how we wanted to use our lives for good and how we needed to serve God. And he was, he got saved when he was young, but he was really backslidden. And I didn't even know I got saved, but we would talk about those things. And so to make a long story short, we get married and, uh, when we got married, all we knew is like, we just got to give. And we were like so faithful. We got in a church. We were so faithful. We were at some kind of spiritual meeting every day of the week except Monday because we had to do our laundry and clean the house and stuff. <laughs> and we worked. And every day we were doing something in the evening because we were just so hungry for God. Yeah. Not knowing that God was seeding the call in our lives. And then uh, Stephen came and he said, 
you know, we need to go to Bible school. And we go, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we uh, we went, uh, He got we got accepted at Ramo many years ago, which was like the cutting edge Bible school of the day. And we went down there and I was going to go. And then I found out I was pregnant and Rebecca yeah. was born two days before or the day before school started. So uh, Stephen recorded every class. I outlined it every day. And we had a couple years of just feeding on the word. And um, and nobody ever told us we were called. No, we yeah. didn't even walk around saying we're called into ministry. And I, as a woman, wasn't allowed to be called into the ministry. Yeah. So the call in my life, even I just did what I knew to do. I didn't know if I was or wasn't called. I just was compelled. And I think I talked about earlier, I was an activist, you know. Yeah. Thank God that was in me. Because in in the midst of all the religion, in the midst of all the opposition, um, I just kept doing what I knew was in my heart to do. I was prophetic when it wasn't popular to be prophetic. I had words of uh, knowledge about physical things. People got healed and I had to pay a huge price from all the people who had a problem with a woman doing that. And so I wasn't really driven to be, actually, in all these years, I've never even gotten a penny salary from being in full-time ministry because for many, many years, I didn't think that that was acceptable. And then it went on so long, it's like, hey, I have my own business now. I don't need all that stuff. And I'm just in full-time ministry. So it was just, I don't know of any moment. I think the moment was, I just fell in love with this God who delivered me from alcohol. And I was compelled to give my life to him. And um, and the only way I knew how to do that was through the church. Mm -hmm. And then after a lot of years, I knew I... I thank God I could hear the voice of the Lord. Mm -hmm. And when he spoke to me to start a business, and honestly, I do as much call to ministry in business as I do in ministry. So, you know, everyone knows that I'm called into ministry now and I'm a part of the body of Christ in church, but um, it's, it's just my whole life. It was the moment God rocked my world and I had no idea what it meant, but... I still carry that. Mm -hmm. So whether I'm officially in full-time ministry or not, I think I am, but, you know. yeah. uh, You you gave a lot of nuggets. Did I? Yeah. Yeah. And I think one of the nuggets that I think you need to expound on is you said that karate was your God. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think you need to uh, let the people know. (laughs) That was before I got saved. Okay. I tried. I really tried. Was that a joke? Yeah, it was it was a joke ish. Okay. So I just think you know if anybody knows you, you're like this five foot two, <laughs> five, five foot. I was going to say just stop there. Actually, five, I'm four five, eleven and three quarters. Inch. And karate was like you, you just don't picture this Cobra Kai. She can still do her know? high kick. Uh, yeah, I still can. I can the do splits, a lot of stuff. Yeah, uh, but I, I'm thankful for those days because I'm still limber. At, <laughs> yeah. my older age. Yeah. But uh I learned a lot of discipline at, at in karate and I was pretty good. And I 
girls, I could beat up any girl. You get a guy there that, oh, I could uh, get me to the guys. I want to show them I can whoop them. I got some fun stories on karate, but. Well, that's oh, maybe another. Another uh, episode. Yeah. Somebody can ask, let, tell us some of your karate stories. <laughs> but yeah, that was, it was. I lived every, every night after work. I'd be down at the dojo work it out, get home late. And what what belt did you do? Was your... It, I, it, the karate was Ishinru. Okay. So it took six months just to get it out of white. I mean, you could not even put a white belt on. Mm-hmm. It was it was with the FBI. So it was a very okay. serious... It wasn't like, you know, you go to a karate thing down the street. It was pretty intense. Uh, but I got to brown or I was getting ready to get my brown which was before black. And there was like eight different belts mm-hmm. that you had in Ishinru. So I was at, I can't remember if I got my brown or I was getting ready to get my brown, but. Yeah, you were real dangerous back then. Yeah, I probably was. <laughs> <laughs> and now I mean, the dog knocks me. you over pretty easily. <laughs> I could tell it. I, I had problems with Ben. Some people hear this story. And I mean, I'd flirt with them so they would make a pass at me so I could punch them and break their nose or do whatever, you know, it's just... I mean, your I, intensity from the beginning oh until God. now, like I am grateful for it because you're saying like you didn't feel this moment of calling and you guys decided we're going to go after God for you. It's like full intensity or nothing. And you did start a church. Like for me... Like I felt that calling in a ministry, but there has never been a moment in my life where I thought, well, let me start a church because that sounds like a nightmare to me. It was pretty intense, but, but you, you had to be you intense. You are intense. So you guys could do that. So <laughs> You had to have a pioneering spirit. Yeah. I'm grateful for it. So intensity is required to go into ministry. Well, um, to start. Yeah, I, to be a pioneer, I, I would say, I would say you yeah. have to, you thick have to skin. love God more than ministry. That ministry and have thick skin. Yeah, yeah. you have to have yeah. thick skin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but I think if my whole goal is to be in ministry, I don't know. I have that's to, a shallow goal. Yeah, I think my goal. I, I need to be recklessly abandoned to the Lordship of Christ. My thought is I just want to be where I'm supposed to be, right. not necessarily um, a preconceived idea of what yeah. is and expected. And then I'll add this because I never was. Well, I still don't carry the five-fold pastoral. You know, it's more apostolic and prophetic. But, oh my goodness, everyone was telling me how I was doing everything wrong. Yeah. And I remember I got a prophetic word um, and it said, you will not pastor like you see another, but you will pastor in the way I've called you to pastor. And you know what? That was a great prophetic word. And I think that prophetic word is for every person in ministry on the planet. Mm -hmm. You haven't been called to look like anybody else, but to be who God created you to be to do what he created you to do in the way he created you to do it and do not live by the fear of man trying to please everybody else to look like a perfect pastor or a perfect prophet or a perfect apostle or whatever it might be, but no, just obey God and 
love God, love people, and keep your heart pure. Yeah, you know, just stay sweet. I think that's oh, that's a good one. I like that. <laughs> that that was good right there. It was in the midst of it all. You can't get bitter. You got to just stay sweet. Yeah, I think I would say soft. Stay soft before the Lord. Um, and, and soft stay before near people to the Lord. Don't treat people the way they treat you. But I don't think you'll be able to do the latter without the former. I think if you stay soft and near to the mm-hmm. Lord, yes. then you will have the, the grace to do it with people. Because if you if you try to just stay soft or sweet with people, but you are not directly drinking from the well that yes. does not run dry, you're going to burn out super fast. And I think we just have to look and say, uh, nobody else understands our journey like we do. Yeah. And if we're obeying God, that has to be enough. Mm -hmm. And that's why I can't get upset if someone doesn't understand because they're not in me. They don't know me. Yeah. And and that's okay. Mm -hmm. I don't have to try to defend myself. I got over that years ago. And I don't have to deal with it now. Nobody's coming up to me, giving me a hard time about <laughs> being a woman in ministry. Now they're like, hey, I like what you do. Let's get you to do more. <laughs> yeah. I like what you said about how you have to be who you were created to be. Yeah. Part of me, uh, there is a balance because I think sometimes if we don't learn from other people, mm-hmm. and I'm not saying that you're saying that, I'm just saying a lot of times, some sometimes when people hear that, they're like, I'm going to do my own thing yeah, and no. I make mess, you know, like I'm saying there are people that have gone through ministry, that yes. have done ministry, that have a lot of wisdom that you can pull from. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, you have to do it authentic. Like I can do or I can function in the wisdom of someone else, but still do it in the way that I was created Correct. to do. Yeah. Very good. I'm glad you brought that out. Because it's not about, I mean, if you have a, an attitude of rebellion, then you're being the opposite of being a servant. Yeah. Well, we have one more question, but I don't think we should do it because I feel like we'll kind of shortchange it because we're kind of running a little late and that will just give us more questions for other episodes. So any final thoughts before we close this out? No, I guess uh, we'll see how you guys respond to to this format. We'll see if you really want to get to know us. (laughs) (laughs) Or you just want what we offer. (laughs) By the questions that you ask, we will know which side of this you want. Um, Yeah, they're like, what's your favorite cereal? (laughs) I don't know. Those are going to be short episodes. (laughs) I haven't eaten cereal in years. (laughs) Okay, well, if you do have a question... She was a homeschooler. (laughs) I'm going to let that go. (laughs) Well, we hope that you guys enjoyed this. Yes, if you have questions, again, you can email us at lifeexchangepodcast at gmail.com and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Life Exchange. We'll be back next week with more conversation on topics of life and leadership. Until next time, be sure to check out our website at givinglight.org, where you can learn more about our church and access loads of resources to help you grow in your walk with God and people. If you like what you heard today, we'd be grateful if you leave a five-star review and share with your friends. Be blessed. Remember to shine your light and have a great week. Thank you.